Hi, I'm Salima Shivji, and I'm a reporter here in Mumbai. We're gearing up for the biggest election in history right now, with Prime Minister Narendra Modi looking very likely to win his third term. And whether you love him, hate him, or know nothing about him, there's no denying Modi is one of the most powerful political figures out there right now. Learn why in the newest season of Understood. Modi's India Understood, available now wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Damon Fairless. Manitoba, my dear, sweet Manitoba, look at what we have done here tonight. You know, a lot of people in the big cities, they look down on us here in Manitoba. Flyover country, they said. Winter pig, man, it's cold out, they said. But look what little old Manitoba did tonight. That's Manitoba NDP leader Wab Canoe on Tuesday night. Canoe led his party to a majority win at the provincial legislature. And so he's now set to become the first First Nations premier of a Canadian province in our 156-year history. It was pretty much a two-party race from the beginning. The Progressive Conservative Party, the PCs, had been in power since 2016. And its leader, Heather Stephenson, Canoe's main opposition, has since stepped down. So this is a significant political turn for the province. CBC Manitoba's provincial affairs reporter, Ian Fraze, has been covering it all. And he's here with me now for more on what Wab Canoe's historic victory means for Manitoba and the rest of Canada. Hey, Ian, uh, thanks so much for coming back on Frontburner. Thanks for having me. So, Ian, one of the really compelling moments in Canoe's victory speech is when he addressed young Indigenous people in the province. But I want to speak to young Nietzsche's in particular. I was given a second chance in life. And I would like to think that I've made good on that opportunity. And you can do the same. Here's how. My life became immeasurably better when I stopped making excuses and I started looking for a reason. It's especially poignant considering that Canoe's own father was a residential school survivor who wasn't allowed to vote as a young man. And so to young people who are looking for a positive path, I want to share the words that my father always told us. Ando buachigek. Seek your vision. Seek your vision. Dreams come true. So I guess what I'm wondering is how significant is this win for Indigenous communities in Manitoba and even beyond? It is pretty significant. In some ways, this is seen as a step towards reconciliation, that a province in Canada will now have its first First Nations premier. You know, in, in that speech, he's talking about, you know, young Nietzsche's and referring to his own, you know, sort of troubled past and, and saying, If you want to leave the party lifestyle behind, it has to be you to make the decision. 
If you want to join the workforce, get a new career, it has to be you to take the first step. I can't do that for you. A government can't do that for you. You have to be the person to decide to take the first step. But once you do, my government would be here to help you. Here's what our government can do. If you decide to take the first step and leave the addictions behind, our government will make sure that there is a path to recovery for you. And I think that matters a lot for for some indigenous people that that they can now see someone like them in a position of power and then here in manitoba and i'm sure we're going to talk about the landfill search a little Mm -hmm. bit yeah yeah, i'd like to get into that in a bit actually yeah yeah, there there is such a frustration with the pc government on on that piece you know the assembly of manitoba chiefs called for Stephenson to to resign. Citing Article 12 of the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. That article encourages governments to facilitate access to and repatriation of human remains. And now here's a First Nations Premier that's going to commit to that. And that's got a lot of Indigenous people quite happy. And and I I definitely want to get into that. I I think what what I'm interested in right now is this is a guy with a really compelling CV. Uh, how did he end up leading the NDP party? Yeah, he's got a quite the, the varied career. You know, he was a, a broadcaster. Basically, the show is making the case that now is the time to fix the relationship between Aboriginal people and the rest of Canada. A public speaker, an author. He's detailed this father-son relationship in his new book. It's called The Reason You Walk. And we welcome Wab Canoe to our studio. You know, early on, a rapper. Bigger than the boy shot and copper pulled the trigger. It's a product of our history. How Canada's configured what you figure. A university administrator. And, and then he got on this path in, into Manitoba politics. So he had, he had star power. He had recognition. And then when the NDP sort of had their collapse in 2016, they were in power for, you know, 16, 17 years. Um, once that happened and Wab Canoe sort of took over the party and it sort of shaped it into his image. And now, you know, this is sort of the realization of everything he's been fighting for for a few years. But he is quite the accomplished orator. And we, because yeah, of his... It, that comes across yeah, yeah, in his speech, right? He, he's engaging and I think a lot of people are, are latching onto that. He's someone who's talked a lot in the past about his Anishinaabe roots. He's spoken about the systemic discrimination faced by Indigenous people in Manitoba, but he downplayed that for the most part in the lead up to this campaign. Why, why do you think that is? I think he's he doesn't want to be branded ultimately as, as a First Nations mm-hmm. premier. He didn't want to draw attention to it. When he would be asked about questions like, you know, what, what, would, what would this mean to you know, indigenous people or for reconciliation. He kept saying, my goal is not to be the first nation's premier of Manitoba. My goal is to be the best premier of Manitoba. Him saying in his victory speech, you know, that call out to young Nietzsche's was something, you know, we basically hadn't heard or anything along that line for, for weeks. And yeah. And and even in this uh, day after press conference, wasn't really bringing it up, but he did share, you know, a, a fairly poignant moment about that someone else on the stage there with him was his uncle, mm-hmm. who was in residential schools. You have many questions about what it means for me. Think about what yesterday meant for him, who was in St. Mary's residential school, 
who experienced the worst of it in our country's history. So whatever feeling I have uh, pales in comparison to how humble I feel uh, to be. Now, you mentioned uh, a little earlier, you know, that other aspects of his past have come up. He's been really open about this. Uh, He had a DUI charge uh, and an assault charge and then a domestic violence charge. And I should say that the DUI charge was uh, ultimately pardoned and the domestic violence charge was stayed. But these are things that the PC party definitely picked up on as part of Stephenson's campaign. Can you tell me a bit about that? It is sort of an, an argument that the, the, the Tories have sort of held for a few years, even before the campaign, is that, you know, Wab Canoe is a risk be, because of his past. NDP leader Wab Canoe says his past criminal record is no disqualification. Really? Wab Canoe, a risk we can't afford. And, you know, the results in this election probably shows that, hey, Manitobans believe him, that they believe that, that he deserves a second chance and that he is a re- reform man. Uh, it, the Tories had sort of a, a tight line to walk when they do sort of allude to this. They they do it in a bit of a sly way, right? You know, there were some ads that, you know, cited old news reports about this. But otherwise, you know, there's just talk about Wob would be soft on crime. There were uh, bus benches all throughout Winnipeg with, you know, a, a, a police officer who turned out to be a candidate for the, for the PCs and, and she's got her arms mm. crossed and, and the, the bus bench says the Wob way is the wrong way and that violent crime will get worse under, under Wob Canoe, that being, that being another one. Um, mm. You know, just the connections between uh, crime and Wab Canoe. Again, you're not directly talking about what happened in his 20s, but <laughs> you could draw some parallels, and some people were. The climate is changing, so are we. I'm Laura Lynch, and I host What on Earth? That's CBC's Climate Solutions podcast. Twice a week, we take you around the world to find the people who are trying to build a better future for all of us. We explore Indigenous science, new technologies. We talk openly about mental health and climate anxiety. We also take your smart questions all the time. Come find What on Earth wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so then there was the PC's take on the Prairie Green Landfill. That's just north of Winnipeg. And just just for a little background for those who who haven't kept up with it. So this is this is a, a landfill where police say they believe the remains of two indigenous women, Morgan Harris and Mercedes Myron are, and both of them are allegedly victims of a serial killer, but no officials have undertaken to search the landfill to find their bodies. During her campaign, the PC candidate Heather Stephenson had a big billboard signs saying stand firm and it called the search or any prospective search for these two women's bodies unsafe. It, uh, estimated the cost of the search being $184 million. There've been big high profile protests calling for the landfill to be searched. The protesters converged on Portage in Maine, painting a red dress mural on the road and calling on the province to Wouldn't this have been a fairly popular issue to get on side with? Yeah, I think it it did definitely surprise people, you know, 
Heather Stephenson would often, you know, as premier, you know, sort of open the door to things. Hey, maybe this is worth studying. But it was in the summer when she set out and said, no, I will not search the landfill. And, you know, asked two, three days later, she was like, no, like, you know, a term they ended up using was standing firm. This is about the safety of those individuals who would be conducting the search. I mean, the landfill is full of toxic waste. And in the report itself identified, you know, that there are safety risks. And we are very She was standing firm in the summer, months before an election. And perhaps that would, this was an issue they could have, you know, kick down the road. And there were reasons that maybe people saw that the search wasn't practical, you know, as high as 184 million, that's a lot of money. Uh, You know, finding remains may not be a guarantee. And and there would be safety concerns, though the feasibility study did say that, yes, there are safety concerns, but they can be mitigated. The Tories, I think, took took a shot at thinking that there might be a silent majority or maybe even just a silent minority that would support them on this issue. And then, as we saw in the in the last two weeks of that campaign, when when the attack ads really started to come out, when they were actively campaigning against their opposition mm-hmm. to this search. Why are you willing to put $184 million in Manitoba workers at risk for a search without a guarantee? They thought that this might be a last-ditch effort and they could maybe get some votes from maybe that silent minority majority. Mm-hmm. So Crown Indigenous Relation Minister in Ottawa said that the government, the federal government, is going to be putting uh, $740,000 towards further studying how to conduct a landfill search. What, what's Wab Canoe and the NDP said about searching the landfill? They have said, you know, from from the beginning in the summer that that we need to try. But the bottom line is out of respect for the families and to line up with the, the views of the vast majority of Manitobans who are compassionate. We need to make an attempt. Uh, to- and then actually during the campaign, he's he has said, yes, we will search the landfill. It's not something they've, you know, promoted in a big in a big way during the campaign. Again, maybe trying to sort of play to the center a little bit, you know, it actually wasn't a part of their costed platform. There was no dollar figure for the landfill search, but it is something he has stressed that we will search. We do have to try. He does not believe it's going to cost as much as $184 million. He says he wanted a second opinion. And now that he is the premier designate in his news conference the next day, he was asked about what the feds had said, and he was pretty clear we don't need another study. In his eyes, we need to do this the earlier the better. So I'm just going to sum up for a second here. As of as of this moment on Wednesday afternoon, it looks like the NDP will take 34 seats, the PCs 22, and the Liberals won solitary seat. Um, PC leader Heather Stephenson says she's stepping down. So I want to talk about their campaign, about the PC campaign. They seem to have a bigger budget for ads. And early on, those ads were focused on things like economic growth and tax cuts as part of their affordability pitch. But then later in the campaign, things changed, right? Yeah, that's right. The PC party has you know, been down in the polls since the pandemic. And, you know, the former Premier Brian Palliser stepped down. Heather Stephenson, 
came in, you know, a veteran MLA, together with Heather was her slogan, that she would be a premier that talks to people and a premier that listens. Mm. And she spent the time, you know, sort of opening the opening the purse strings, I guess, you know, spending more money. Mm. And that was sort of the through line at, at the start of this campaign. You know, it's affordability, it's the economy, what we're doing is working. Around midway through that campaign, uh, and just before the the televised, the main televised debate, the NDP had sort of taken a, a bigger lead again, and we saw the PCs, you know, perhaps in a last ditch effort to salvage their campaign, to you know take ads that took a, a, a bit of a they they went the attack ad route. So, well, yeah, one of the things they did was they brought up the parental rights issue a lot. The idea that parents should have more say in what kids learn at school around gender identity and sexual orientation. Uh, how, did, how did that factor into the campaign? It was something they just talked about in August before the campaign began and then weren't really bringing it up. But then, you know, sometime during the campaign, the ads are everywhere, all all over Winnipeg on, you know, sort of the garbage and recycling bins. They have one of their candidates, Abi Khan, sort of speaking to it. Look, I know I'm biased, but who knows better than us as parents what's best for our kids in school? That's why we're the only party fighting for enhanced parental rights for you. That that those ads were, I, I would argue, a play towards some of the newcomers to Winnipeg living in some of the suburbs that, that have the potential of flipping the newcomers that might be a little more conservative leaning, mm-hmm. you know, that rubbed people the, the wrong way. Again, this was uh, a premier and Heather Sevenson who talked about, you know, togetherness and yet he was an issue that was in, inflaming, you know, people on the left and, and particularly members of the LGBTQ community. And and then there was an, an ad that sort of gave the impression that you're alone in, in the voting booth. Because during an election, it's okay to disagree on issues without the fear of being judged. So vote like no one is watching because no one is. So this is kind of Wab Canoe's election to lose, right? He was the, the front runner. Uh, it seemed clear for a while that the NDP were likely to win and win a majority. What ultimately clinched it for him it was a message of health care and kind of stopping the austerity that was sort of a hallmark of the first you know five six years of the tories run in office Mm -hmm. and then brian palliser stepped down heather stevenson came in she she opened the book she increased spending everywhere but it didn't seem to um resonate with voters or or they didn't seem to really recognize those those changes on the healthcare piece, though, this is a province where during the pandemic, we had to airlift dozens of people away mm-hmm. to intensive care units in other provinces because we ran out of room. And, and even before then, the Tories reorganized the healthcare system, converting three of Winnipeg's six ERs into urgent care centers. Um, just sort of the anger over that and then the pandemic happened and then the staffing shortages got worse. So during this campaign for the NDP, it was talking about healthcare almost every day. That message, uh, clearly resonated. Hmm. And then in terms of affordability, what, what was, what were the specifics he's talking about there? He has, again, to maybe take a bit of a centrist bent, 
which tends to work in Manitoba politics. He's followed the lead of a conservative premier, at least in Alberta, in eliminating the gas tax for a temporary period, at least six months, while inflation is still high. And this is part of a just transition. We need to bring working people along with us as we fight climate change. And right now, that means helping people out at the pump, saving you money. So he, you know, make the price of <laughs> gas cheaper. And he's also promising to freeze hydro rates for a year. Our renters will get uh, a higher tax credit. And if you want to buy an electric vehicle, the government will give you a rebate. So that's, as you say, very centrist uh, goals and aspirations. Uh, what are the challenges you see for Canoe and his government trying to reach those goals? Uh, what do the next few years look like for him? He is tr trying to fix the healthcare system. And as we can see throughout the country, fixing healthcare is super hard. You know, he was saying in his day after news conference, you know, same with the landfill search, we have to try and we, we have to try to, to make healthcare better. Well, should we just throw up our hands and say fixing healthcare is going to be too difficult? Or should we say we are going to have the ambition to make an effort? And that's what our So he's made his biggest task a really hard task. I think another challenge will be in, in reconciliation there are a lot of indigenous people who have high hopes and fixing some of the issues. You know, the child poverty rates in Manitoba are through the roof. There are, you know, many kids through, through the CFS system that are, that are taken <laughs> from their families. Those numbers remain high. Fixing those issues again will take time, but will it be enough? you know, past this sort of honeymoon period he might be getting. Yeah, that, it's it's interesting because as much um, time and space as the landfill issue is taken up, and it obviously a, a really important one, um, there have been Indigenous activists uh, saying, you know, that there, there's more to reconciliation than this one issue. There's, there's issues with, as you said, education, employment, community support, um, childcare. So how much work has... Wab Kanu and his government got to do to make Indigenous folks in the province feel that they're being heard? Yeah, it's a really tough question. Because in some ways we're, well, this is, this is un, unchartered territory to, to have, you know, a First Nations premier that, that's leading the province that, that gets the issues, you know, who's, whose dad was in a residential school. I, I do believe he will get some breathing room from the indigenous community. I mean, there's also a pledge to have, you know, more women's shelters, I think a, a cabinet committee around the issue of murdered and missing indigenous women and girls. I think all these steps are appreciated and he will get breathing room for a bit, but there will be a desire at some point for, you know, action and action beyond just searching the landfill. Okay, and thanks so much. Um, we'll be following it, and uh, it's really great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Okay, that's it for today. I'm Damon Fairless. Thanks for listening to Front Burner. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.